Welcome to Making the Most of Time with me, Elliot Apple. I'm a financial planner and caregiver. To give you a little background, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 25. Our world was changed instantly, and it's been a constant state of change ever since. Since then, I've been learning about the intersection of money, health, and loss, personally and professionally. This is a place to explore money, loss, and grief. It's about making the most of time, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially. There are no taboo topics, no question is off limits. These conversations are for people like you, people who are about to lose a significant other, widows, caregivers, and anybody affected by a major health event. I'm glad you're here. So with that, let's start making the most of time. It's rare to talk about someone's experience with cancer, which is why I'm grateful for Simon Trisna coming on the podcast today. Simon is a financial planner who opened up about his dad's cancer diagnosis. He shares what it was like going through a pandemic while his dad had treatment, how he helped his mom and dad with household tasks, and what lessons he learned that he's bringing back into his financial planning career. For anybody who is a caregiver or a child of a parent with cancer, or if you just want to learn more about what it's like when a family member is going through a cancer diagnosis, this episode is for you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Simon Trisna. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Of course. Why don't we kick things off with maybe just a quick background about yourself? Where Where do I start? Um, well, I'm you know I'm Simon Trisna. I am currently on sabbatical in between jobs, um, but before that, I was a financial advisor and a chief investment officer at a um, RIA in in San Francisco, um, where I had the ability to kind of have my own clients, but also you know be um, head of investments for, you know, a, a fairly large RIA and, and work with, you know, a, a whole different set of clients, uh, you know, in addition to, to my own. Great. And I, I heard, or at least I think I saw that you're calling this fun employment at the time in the time being, right? It is. I'm trying to make it fun employment. I, I think, uh, I, one of the things that, you know, I kind of learned, uh, is it's important to kind of take breaks and, and I think recharge. And I was in, in kind of conversations with my wife, you know, before doing this, I realized I'd never took like a break ever. I mean, I, um, I started my first kind of real internship, real job when I was a sophomore in college, I worked pretty much every summer out of like after college. Um, and I started, you know, I graduated in May, 2015. I spent a whole month studying to take my 65 and I started work, um, at my old firm, um, like July, 2015, right out of college. So like, I never truly kind of had a break. Um, I think the only time I took proper time off was for my wedding. Um, I took about a week during it and then two weeks, you know, for the honeymoon. So I had like a three week break where I was completely checked out and it was amazing. And so kind of in evaluating this, this transition, one of the things that it was really important to me, was just like, I would kind of want to take a break. And, you know, I think I, texted you that like you were kind of an inspiration because you know with your move to wisconsin i think seeing what you were able to do was just like no this is cool i kind of want to do that so um you know fortunately it, it worked out to where you know i have you know two months to just kind of unwind a little bit and, and you know get mentally ready for for the next challenge in, in my life yeah that sounds like a really nice break what's what is on the list um doing a uh getaway to uh half moon bay which is a, a nice beautiful little 
oceanside town um here in california uh with my wife for like a little spa weekend some wine wine tasting getaway i'm gonna go try to hit up lake tahoe you know with one of my best friends um we've been doing that since i think high school or college so that haven't done that in a while so i'm gonna go have fun there um looking to go down to indian wells for the uh bnp parpas open um that's always kind of been you know being a tennis player, I've, we've always kind of wanted to do that, me and one of my best friends. And so it kind of worked out that I think we're going to be able to you know, pull it off this year. And then hopefully my uh, my St. Mary's Gales are in the NCAA tournament. It's looking good so far. And so I, uh, you know, if it's not too drastic and not too much of a headache, I'd love to just say, you know, whatever, wherever they go, I'll follow. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if, if I'm able to pull that off or not. We'll see kind of where they end up. So, um, and besides that, um, just reading and kind of getting, you know, just mentally recharged, um, playing lots of tennis, trying to get outside, um, kind of that nothing uh, as crazy as moving cross country like you did, but, um, still, uh, still pockets of, of getaways. Yeah. Well, it sounds like some amazing time to be spending in different areas and that, that tennis tournament's amazing. I've only ever been to one tennis tournament and that is the one. And I think you're in for a real treat. I've never been. We um, we had one in San Jose, and I it was always kind of like a meh kind of event. It was like a two fifty. There weren't any like real good players, and so it was you know hard to justify you know going down, especially because the tickets were you know kind of still pricey. And um, and then in college they um, they decided to you know fold it, and I was just like, oh, now that you know I have a little bit of you know money, I have a car, I could go down there. It's gone now, so um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, it'll be nice to you know get down. Good. Well, I'm happy for your break. I, I think a lot of people are taking breaks during the pandemic, whether that's spurred by the pandemic or not. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's good to take the time and recharge. Well, I think one of the things that um, I don't know how it was with you, but it was definitely for me and my wife. And I think for a lot of my clients um, and a lot of friends, too, like I, I think we all kind of had one. We're really fortunate to keep our jobs and, and be able to work remote. I think that's probably the most important thing and, and something that I'm incredibly grateful for, um, throughout this time. But two, um, we all kind of ended up working a lot harder. Um, you know, I, uh, I used to come into the city and, you know, wake up, you know, really early, uh, and, you know, get on a train, you know, 40 minutes, you know, into the city about like, you know, 50 minutes door to door and then do the same thing on the way home. And also now I'd just be like, you know, waking up and then kind of meandering over to my, you know, my desk and, and starting to work. And so because of not having a commute, uh, and not having kind of that, you know, exhaustion, I, I kind of worked a lot more, um, you know, from home. And, and I think because of that, it just kind of added up to, to pretty, pretty solid burnout at, at times. Um, and so that's one of the things that I'm trying to, um, focus on in, in my break is, is identifying, okay, in my next challenge, in my next role, how do I, you know, better deal with, with burnout uh, and, and the mental taxation from, from working that much. One of the things I try to tell my clients is, is if you have the ability to, um, to take breaks and, and do it, you know, it's only, you know, beneficial. I think that's something that um, I've kind of picked up from just, you know, personal experiences of, you know, you never know what life's going to throw you or curveballs. And so I think it's important to, um, you know, build in those breaks, build in those vacations whenever you have an opportunity, because you never know what's around the corner. And I think, you know, on a macro scale of pandemic, I think taught that to all of us um, where, hey, you don't know when you're going to be in a, you know, three month lockdown and, you know, in a global pandemic. So, you know, one of the fucking best things that 
we didn't even like enjoy it i think to the fullest because at the time we didn't realize what it meant but like my, my wife's birthday is on march 9th um and so we were in new orleans uh we've always wanted to go and we were like okay let's go to new orleans for your birthday so we were there like saturday to tuesday and um, March 9th, um, was the day where all the circuit breakers stripped and oil plunged. And we're talking about potential, you know, lockdowns in the United States and the stock market's falling. And I'm on a gator tour, you know, an hour, I think North of new Orleans, like on my phone, looking at this while there's like gators, like jumping, like left and right. And I was like, holy shit, like, is this actually happening right now? And, you know, we got back on, on the 10th and on the 11th was when like, you know, all sports shut down. And I think that weekend's when, when everything really shut down for good. And so that for the whole month of March and April, we we're like, can you believe we, 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 we got one last like fun, you know, trip in like, uh, you know, imagine if we, you know, didn't have that. And so, um, it was kind of something nice to kind of hang our head on that and have the memories of just like how much, you know, fun we had, um, you know, on that and, and whatnot. So, um, so I think that's something that, is kind of important, you know, to me moving forward is just, you know, maybe not having like those lavish long trips, um, but just finding pockets to, to kind of get away and, and, and recharge and, you know, take breaks. Yeah. That's great timing. And it's so important to take those small breaks throughout time and make time for the larger trips when you want them. Um, I'd love to go back to something you said about how you, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but you know, you don't really ever know what's going to happen. And you originally reached out to me to share sort of a personal story about something that you didn't know what was going to happen. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, um, I think, uh, so kind of unfortunately, you know, similar to your situation. So in, in March, 2021, my dad was diagnosed with, um, with cancer. Um, he had stage two multiple myeloma, which, you know, uh, at first it was, a huge shock to the system because you, you don't kind of realize the, the gravity of your situation. You're just like, you know, unfortunately, you know, when you hear cancer, like whether it's logical or not, your mind goes to the worst place. Yeah. Um, it's just like, okay. And then um, for me, I was really close to my grandfather, my, mo- my mom's dad. Um, and he had colon cancer and he got diagnosed when I was a sophomore in college. Um, and I was incredibly lucky to be at a point in my life uh, and a place in my life where I could really be of assistance to my grandparents. Um, and so I was able to, um, you know, drive my grandpa to radiation treatments, go to, um, you know, chemo appointments with him. Like we all, you know, my mom, my aunt, um, you know, my grandparents, you know, we all live you know, really close and, you know, I was going to college not too far from home. Um, and, you know, we were all, all able to kind of, you know, pitch in and, and, and be in the fight with him. And, you know, he, he fought for, um, number of years. Um, and, you know, and so, but that, but, you know, that was a a huge, obviously challenge to all of us, a huge, you know, emotional toll. Um, and so the other thing that, you know, when we found out about my dad getting diagnosed one, you know, it's one thing when it's like a grandparent, you know, you kind Mm -hmm. of almost expected, um, you know, he was in his late seventies when he got diagnosed. It's another thing when it's like your dad. Um, and then the, the, the second thought goes to the, you know, Grand Theft Auto meme of, oh shit, here we go again. (laughs) Um, yeah. And so, and that was a huge shock to my system. You know, at the time I was um, studying for my level three of, of my CFA exam. I was trying to, you know, be a CIO at my firm. So I was just like juggling a lot of things. And, and here 
you know, we have this, um, you know, diagnosis of like, okay, like now you're going to also need to, you know, step up and, and be able to, uh, you know, help with, with, you know, your dad. Um, I think one of the other kind of big challenges for me was, um, my mom doesn't drive on freeways. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she learned how to drive, um, you know, very late in her life. Um, I think that, you know, being an immigrant kind of, um, you know, she didn't learn to drive until she was in her forties until, you know, we moved here. Um, and so that was now my challenge of like, okay, anything outside, you know, my mom's driving radius is now on my shoulders. And so, you know, I was incredibly lucky that I was in a position, you know, career-wise, work-wise to be able to have a very flexible schedule to be able to kind of be there for my dad. But it was just incredibly, you know, difficult to be the, you know, support system, you know, for my mom, Mm -hmm. um, where she was, um, you know, venting, being upset kind of, you know, to me, um, and then also be strong for my dad at the same time, um, and and make sure he's good. So yeah, it was just, you know, rough, rough initial couple months as we were kind of trying to process it all. Um, and then kind of the other hardest thing is he, he flat out got his ass kicked by, by chemo. Um, it was not a pretty experience. I mean, you know, Easter Sunday, we had to take him to the ER, um, he was there for, for a few days, um, you know, getting the necessary, you know, supplements into the system. And then, you know, July 4th weekend, we were supposed to have a, a big kind of housewarming at, at my house because we you know, never had the opportunity to do that with, with the pandemic, you know, have a big barbecue, have everybody come over. And once again, my dad fell, had to go to the ER, was there for a week. Um, mm-hmm. And so we had to, you know, cancel that. So it was just, um, just a difficult time. And, you know, all at the same time, you're trying to be mindful of, you know, COVID, um, the hospital protocols, uh, you know, as you know, from, from your fiance, aren't necessarily the most visitor friendly, um, which yeah. obviously, you know, it's, is for a great reason. And, and, you know, I'm incredibly, you know, amazed at the hospital workers and, and everyone, you know, involved in, in the Medicare professional profession right now, just absolute heroes. Um, but it still made it incredibly difficult to, uh, you know, kind of to be a caretaker, um, you know, at this time. So, um, that was a huge eye opener for me. And I think it, it, it caused for a lot of kind of, you know, intro, um, introspection and, and just viewing how I, you know, want to, um, approach my life, um, approach my career as a financial advisor and, and how I want to, um, you know, I shouldn't say like necessarily like learn from it, but like, I really did want to be thoughtful as to like, okay, like what, what, what is this experience teaching me? Um, I think, you know, it's, um, I think it's important for us to kind of, you know, good or bad, try to stay level headed, you know, as much as possible. Um, uh, especially if you're a financial advisor or a planner, um, you know, being on the investment side, kind of, I was reviewing my notes through March and I was almost amazed at how kind of like level-headed I think I stayed throughout. Um, and you know, in, um, in just conversations with clients recently, um, I almost didn't realize how level-headed I stayed throughout, but that was something that, you know, they kept, um, you know, saying, you know, as I was, you know, explaining them, you know, my departure and whatnot. So one of the things that, you know, I kind of learned is it's important to be aware that this is a very realistic possibilities, right? I think, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I didn't know until we got this diagnosis is just how many people have multiple myeloma. Like, just like, wait, what? Like, this is the thing. Like, I didn't, I'd never even heard of this. And then all of a sudden my mom was like, oh yeah, so-and-so had it, so-and-so had it, so-and-so had it. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Like, really? Um, 
and you know we were you know very lucky with stage two and and very lucky that you know it, it didn't get uh it, it could have gone a lot worse um and so even though the the fight itself sucked um you know fortunately my dad had a successful bone marrow transplant procedure done in in december and and now he's you know hopefully uh, on a pathway to um you know never fully recover but at least prolong his life enough to where you know he can you know continue to do most of the things that he was able to do before and just as long as it's under management you know live with us now um you know how long he has you know god knows but you know kind of we're very happy that you know we at least you know have that you know moving forward yeah there there's a lot i have so many questions and there's a lot of different routes we can yeah. take with this and there's a lot of areas you touched on, but I I, I want to go back just for a moment because we we work in a field where I think communication is really important. And I'm always curious in medicine, sort of the training that doctors receive, nurse practitioners, anybody who's touching anything in medicine, sort of the communication they get. Will you take us back to when you got the news that he had multiple myeloma and what how that was conveyed, whether you were there or it was just your dad and your mom? How, how did that it was go? Just- it was just my dad and my mom. I think it was like a Saturday night and, you know, we, um, my mom was sending me his like blood work, like screenshots via text. Uh, and so we knew it was kind of high. We knew something was up. Um, we, it was actually around the time of her birthday and we, you know, we had a family dinner, um, and you know, she kind of pulled me aside and she was like, yeah, this is bad. Like we, you know, we, that's kind of the word that I'm getting from the doctors. Like we haven't confirmed it, but like, it's not looking really good. So that they're getting a second piece of advice. And so then honestly, I don't even, that whole month was kind of a blur. So I don't even, this, I remember her pulling me aside at like her birthday dinner and telling me that, but I'm, I'm, I think it was a pretty much like a phone call, I think just confirming it. Um, and like I said, I think, you know, the emotions I was feeling, I couldn't quite convey to her. I think my wife probably felt most of those. Um, but it was definitely more of like, um, all right, like we're in this fight now. Like what, what do I need to do? Like, what am I, you know, responsible for? Um, and I think that was kind of the message I I had with her. And then I think maybe later on it it all kind of, you know, hit me, um, and would continue to kind of hit me, um, in, in, in the coming weeks. And then, you know, um, I think it's, it's really important to grieve. And I think it's really important to, to have kind of that, you know, um, those moments of vulnerability, um, but it, it's equally as important to, um, not get caught up in, you know, in the emotion. And I think I probably got caught up a little bit more than, um, I thought I would. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Like, I think it kind of, I don't know if I didn't process it the right way, but I think I definitely felt very overwhelmed. I think by it all at times, uh, it wasn't necessarily, the sadness, it was more of being incredibly overwhelmed by the fight ahead. Um, and kind of my role is kind of a caretaker. Um, and I think, and I think this is, you know, I'm, we can kind of go back to this and, and whatnot, but one of the biggest challenges that kind of quickly came into fruition was, um, my parents never did an estate plan. Like my, my mom doesn't know money. Like she, my dad was always the, the money person, the investment person. He loves to day trade. Like he has it down to a T and he, you know, taught me all the things that, you know, he knows. And I think he was a, actually probably the most important, you know, influence as to me wanting to get into investing and, and finance because I grew up, you know, with him day trading and reading the Wall Street Journal and, you know, watching, um, watching the, the finance, you know, shows. 
Um, and so one of the, the first conversations, my mom was like, you know, holy shit, like if this, you know, goes south fast, like what the fuck are we going to do? Like, we don't know where any of the things are. We don't know mm-hmm. the accounts. Like we don't have a will. We don't have a powers attorney. Like, and so that all of that was just like daunting. And then, like I said, I was going through my, you know, CFA, you know, exam testing. And it's just like, okay, now I need to balance being there, taking my dad to appointments, taking my dad to chemo, um, and also studying oh, and all of these work responsibilities. So I think it, it was a lot of initial, you know, kind of grief and sadness, but then when you kind of realize what you're up against, it was also being, you know, overwhelmed. And I think there was a lot of times where I was feeling very overwhelmed and then also sad, but just, yeah. Which is normal. I mean, that feeling of being yeah. overwhelmed, I, you know, I, I glean a lot that you have your your CIO hat almost on as like a caregiver and that you should be level-headed and approach that. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where there's not a right or a wrong way to respond. And it's it's tough when you're grieving, you feel overwhelmed, right? And any of those things, the CFA exam, regular work responsibilities, a cancer diagnosis, any one of those things on its own is tough enough. One of the um, things that I've kind of learned about myself that I'm in this break that I'm trying to... Um, go through and, and realize uh, and, and try to work through is, you know, I am the worst at probably bottling up my emotions. Like I think I go all out on, on everything and I burn out and I think that goes work. I think it goes play. I think that goes emotions, uh, sports. Like I'll just, you know, when I'm in a moment or something, like I'll just go all out and then all of a sudden it'll just kind of blow up a little bit. Uh, and so, you know, when it comes to sports, it'd just be like, I go all out and then I just be like, okay, I'm burned out. Like I can't do this anymore. Like I, you know, whether it's working out or tennis, I just don't have any energy or strength or, you know, mental fortitude to do it. And I think, you know, with, with my dad, it was a lot of, um, trying to stay level headed, but that comes at a cost. And so there'd be nights where I just kind of like, okay, I, I'm not in this at all anymore. Like I just need to, you know, um, you know, be sad and, and try to, you know, confront my emotions. Yeah. And it's tough to do when you, you want to take action and you have all these things, like you said, ahead of you, where you're trying, you're trying to make a game plan and figure out what you need to do. Um, I'm curious, Simon, what, so you get the diagnosis or your mom get your mom and dad get the diagnosis. They relay it to you having some experience as a caregiver for your grandpa. How, how were the roles defined? You mentioned your mom, your mom doesn't drive on the freeway. So how do you start dissecting roles? Were there family meetings? How did, how did that all come about? It wasn't as formal as family meetings, but it was more of just constant communication with my mom. I think like every morning it'd be like, Hey, how's dad doing? Like what's going on? Um, you know, we, you know, we're incredibly lucky in that, um, my mom kind of also has a bit of a flexible schedule. She's a piano teacher. Um, and so she was, you know, kind of able to, you know, maneuver her lessons around and her responsibilities around kind of my dad's you know schedule. So for me, it was more of, you know, my mom honestly just took the brunt work of it of, Hey, I'm going to try to do as much as I can, but here's, he has an appointment, you know, far away. This is on you. Um, are you able to do, take him to chemo on maybe like this Friday? And then, you know, he'll be there for a couple hours. I'll just pick him up afterwards or vice versa. Like I'll take him, you pick him up and stuff like that. So it was just a lot of ongoing, you know, conversations. Um, one of the other just, and this is sometimes funny how life works out, but like my parents moved into a one story house in December, 2019, before it was like a two story house where they lived, you know, my entire life, but they wanted to kind of upgrade, move into a bit of a nicer, you know, neighborhood. Um, and 
there's no fucking way my dad was going to be able to go upstairs at times like during his condition so we were incredibly like holy fucking shit i can't believe this happened type of move and then the second thing is my wife and i were incredibly lucky we bought our house in january 2021 um and i literally live i think like a seven minute drive from my parents um three minutes from my in-laws so they have us beat a little bit but like it's just (laughs) we ended up with having such an amazing you know, proximity to one another. Um, and you know, they have incredible neighbors, you know, at their house. So like, it was definitely, um, very kind of lucky how it all worked out. So because of my proximity, like it was, it wasn't necessarily, um, me having to like plan, you know, days around, like, it was just like, Hey, when you have some time, can you come over maybe help with some of the house stuff that, you know, your dad would do? Like if you have like a few minutes and I'd be like, okay, I have a break in my day. Like, let me just, you know, swing over a little bit, help with, you know, putting the trash cans out, like stuff like that. Um, or, and, and with that. So like I said, to kind of answer your original question, it wasn't any like formal family meetings, but it was just that constant dialogue and, and constant conversations. Um, and the one the, kind of the unfortunate thing for me is, you know, I'm, I try to, be as much of a planner as I can. Like I like knowing, um, what I'm doing, um, you know, the night before, maybe the week before I, I like to be very organized. And, and at that time when I was trying to juggle my CFA and my work and, you know, my family, like, you know, I was going to build in maybe a quick little workout studying in the morning, work in the afternoon. And then, you know, I get a text from my mom's like, Hey, can you come over and help something? It's just like, okay, well, there goes, there goes that. So I think that, that was also another, another hard part. So I'm curious, did, did you all hire caregivers at any point, no. any relief nope. or no? Okay. So it was you and your mom, me and my mom, me. my aunt and uncle helped out wherever they could. Um, uh, but with COVID obviously kind of try to keep it, you know, very, very bubble. I think my mom and my family just has an amazing group of friends. So like, as far as, Hey, we'll make you some food. Like we'll come over. I think like they got incredible kind of that type of support, but it was just me and my mom. That's a lot. Yeah. When for those unaware, so you're you're driving your dad to chemo appointments. Yeah. How how far away is the facility? Uh, twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. Okay. Yeah. And how long were his infusion times? Uh, in like thirty minutes, two hours. Sometimes it depends on kind of what he was doing. Um, the good news is it wasn't a lot. It was like every Friday or like every other Friday depends on kind of what cycle he was at. So thankfully, it wasn't like an everyday thing. And thankfully it was also on Fridays when it was kind of like, because I remember like when, um, when my, my grandpa was diagnosed with cancer, he had like a month of radiation where I was like literally driving him every day, you know, um, 20, 30 minutes, like one way to, you know, to get treatments, um, and then, you know, taking them back. So that was a whole you know different ballgame. But, you know, I think thankfully with my dad, it, it wasn't too bad, um, as far as the actual, you know, chemo, um, component. Yeah. It's interesting you say it wasn't too much and it's relative to your grandpa's experience. I find when I talk with a lot of caregivers, they tend to to discount their own experience and that, you know, it's it's not a lot. It's only every other Friday, yeah. only a few hours. And, you know, it's it's a lot, as you said, trying to plan your day and then things go on awry. Well, I think it's it's really interesting because, you know, I'm sitting here, it's February. It's almost been like twelve months since this occurred. And I think I think I'm because we're kind of, you know, in the part of his treatment where now it's more of like the mitigation, I know everything's okay. Like, 
looking back at it, it's like, oh, that wasn't too bad. Like, you know, I kind of, you're right. I'm totally <laughs> discounting it. But I think if you were to ask me about it, like, you know, in May, right as I'm in, you know, the full CFA thing as, you know, as my dad was in the hospital, I would have been like talking about how insane it is. Um, uh, but I think you're right. I think I am probably discounting how much, you know, uh, Obatola took on me and, and definitely how much Obatola took on my mom and still does take, you know, told my mom because, you know, she has to live with him every day and, and see him every day. Yeah. What's that like now for her? Um, I think it's mostly positive. I think sometimes she um, wants to, um, you know, she, he, uh, he's a, sometimes can be like a little bit like lazy and, and not necessarily like focus on, on his recovery, maybe as much as, you know, she wants him to. Like she'll, you know, he'll sit mm-hmm. down for a day full of football, you know, and watch that all day. And my mom's like, why don't you go for a walk, like exercise a little bit, you know, try to like, you know, get continue yeah. on the recovery bit so it's i mean it's nothing like she wasn't you know nagging him on um you know pre-diagnosis so in that part it's like okay like you were kind of venting to me about you know lack of things you know for my dad before and now it's kind of more of the same thing so at least that's kind of returned normal but um um but i think the hardest part for us right now is the bone marrow transplant wiped hip wiped out his immune system entirely um and so he is no longer vaccinated um and so with this Omicron variant, like there have been times where I'd be like, my mom just like, Hey, can you run to the store for me? Like, I just don't feel comfortable going to the store right now. I don't want to bring anything home. Um, now it's, you know, a little better, a little bit died down. And I think we were all able to secure, um, you know, at home COVID you know, testing, t- testing kits. So like now if I was to go over and spend some time with my family, like I'm still very much masked up. And so is my dad. And I would take a COVID test before going over there. That's scary. And a whole, yeah, that's whole other, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um set of issues yeah it's i i gotta tell you like for for those kind of going through this and, and like we've been incredibly lucky because i've heard like horror stories at least like in that first year where there's like no visitors allowed like god imagine imagining having like your loved one there um and and the other thing too like it, it sucks for for the other person who's in the hospital like you get a lot of energy and 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 positive hopefully positive energy from seeing your loved ones um, and not having them alongside you and kind of helping you in that fight. I, I can't even imagine what that's like um, and, and how, how much of a factor that potentially had in any sort of like um, ongoing health issues. Yeah, I can't imagine either. When my dad was diagnosed, it was pre-COVID and I went to most of his infusions and it was every three weeks or so. And I just can't imagine going through that process of the doctor's visits, the infusion, all of that by yourself. I mean, not only is it boring, it's, it's lonely. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back just the way that your, your family's communicating through all this. You mentioned that you didn't have, there was no estate plan. There was no power of attorney. I mean, how did that rank or what, you know, how, how did you prompt that conversation with them? Did they just want to go out and get them done as soon as he was diagnosed? What, what happened with that? My mom kind of forced my dad of like, hey, talk to Simon. He actually does this for a living type of thing, you know, and, and my dad wanted to do it by himself because he is actually a paralegal. So he, he kind of knows his way around, you know, the law and stuff like that. So um, he ended up doing it all himself. Um, he got books out of the library and he just kind of dove right into it, um, gave him something to kind of focus on and do. And so um, at this point, I believe they have it all done. Um, I think that was a requirement for the bone marrow transplant. Um so I wasn't kind of privy to, to those, you know, conversations. Um, but I do know that it's there and, you know, my mom kind of now has at least a better sense of where things are at. But, um, 
you know, kind of where I would come in, you know, if, if anything were to happen, you know, at least immediately, I'm, you know, it would be a lot less work to dig everything, but it, it would still be, you know, um, a bit of a challenge to kind of go through uh, and, and sort all, all the all affairs and stuff. Okay. And have you worked with your mom on sort of understanding where no. everything is no. or how? Okay. I, I know those are difficult conversations. We'll call it difficult conversations to bring up. No, it's, it's something that I probably should do at some point. Um, it's, but it's difficult because you're so focused on the day to day and the week to week and that those are not, you don't believe those conversations are as urgent. And so you kind of only like, I was only focused on it kind of a couple of times when, you know, I was kind of taking stock of the whole situation, but like, it's one of those things where you don't really think about a day to day. Right. Yeah. You kind of do it and then it's, it's done. Right. And that's, you know, you don't really come back to it that often. I'm curious, Simon, maybe we can transition a little bit to your professional life. We were talking a little bit before about how, how this has impacted you personally, which we've talked about. Um, but then how, what lessons are you taking away for your professional life? Like what sort of conversations are you having with clients? Has it changed how you communicate with them? Has it changed how you approach estate planning? Just talk to me about that. It's made me want to further ingrain myself into my clients' lives, if that makes sense. Tell me more. So I guess like a little backstory, I've always kind of like found this to be um, incredibly fascinating. So I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge sports fan. And um, in 2016, I want to say, young pitcher for the then Florida Marlins, um, Jose Fernandez died in a tragic boat accident. I don't know if you remember seeing that story. Um, And I was reading an article about it. And I think, you know, that was probably maybe the first like athlete death that I could just remember. I was like, holy shit, like this, this guy's only like a few years older than me. Like he was a superstar. He had like so much life. I remember seeing him pitch and it was like, damn. Um, and I was reading an article and his agent, um, had a, he called it a death folder for each one of his clients. And it was, you know, if the worst were to happen, here's the game plan. Um, and I just thought that was so interesting and unique because, we don't think about that, you know, in, in our lives. Like, and it was something that, you know, I, I haven't put into practice at all, but it's always been in the back of my mind because, you know, for my clients, um, and especially my clients, kids, like one of the things I kind of tell them is like, Hey, make sure your kids know about me because if anything were to happen to you, like I'm, they need to call me because, I will be able to walk them through everything because I know where everything is. Right. Um, and, and I think that's something I've, I've done in the past and something that I, I want to, you know, continue to prioritize is just making sure that, you know, um, my clients, kids at least are aware of me and like, you know, know, and especially as they get older, right. Like you're not telling your, you know, eight and 10 year old, like, Hey, here's my financial advisor. But like all of a sudden you have a, you know, your kids in high school and, and getting off to college, like, yeah, talk, you should know who, you know who Simon is and whatnot. So, um, so I think that's something that, um, you know, I knew before and, and even now that more important is just, you know, uh, I want to be the person 
for my clients, I kind of like, Hey, if something were to happen to your spouse, if something were to happen to you guys, um, I want to make sure that I'm there for your family. Um, and then, uh, so that was the, one of the biggest lessons. Um, and then two, um, is, is nothing's a given. I think, um, you know, I love my dad and, and he worked his ass off his entire life to provide for, for me and my family. Um, and he had grand retirement dreams. Um, and so, you know, my parents bought into a, brought a new house. Um, you know, they were able to, um, my dad had all these like backyard projects he wanted to do and he was kind of doing it and he had some time to do it during the pandemic. Um, but my, my parents love to travel. Um, you know, they, they love to see the world. Um, and so, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to do that in their, you know, their youth as much. Um, they only really started traveling, you know, in their forties and fifties. Um, and so they had grand, you know, plans, grand trips, obviously pandemic first happened. And then even, you know, with my dad, like I remember I took him down to, um, to a hospital. Um, we, we were just talking about the the diagnosis and, and everything. And you know, he was kind of telling me how much he wanted to go to like Costa Rica and like Panama and like see that stuff. And, um, and so I think that was probably the other big thing is like, you, you never know whether it's going to be a pandemic or, you know, a cancer diagnosis that's going to throw a wrench. And so, you know, it, it's really important to find ways to build that into your life. Um, and so one of the things I tell my clients is like, look, y'all are fine. Like you run the Monte Carlo simulations. Like, um, I'm extremely privileged to work with, you know, higher net worth individuals, um, you know, mostly coming out of the tech space that, you know, have had or on their way to, um, you know, life-changing wealth. And so, you know, as they kind of go through it, as they figure out what to do with the proceeds, it's like, Hey, you don't always need to be a saver, right? You need to figure out ways to improve your life, whether it's that, you know, backyard upgrade that you've been kind of wanting for, if it's a pool for your kids, if it's, you know, a vacation home, like if you also want to take a break, like let's find a way to do it. Um, you know, and and like, that's whole my job is like, you know, I, you guys are, you know, doing pretty good, you know, um, let's go ahead and and find ways for you to really maximize your life now, because you never know what's going to happen. Like, you know, upgrade that hotel room. Like you can afford that, you know, don't necessarily hold back because I don't know, have the stats off the top of my head, but like, you'd be surprised at how much money, the like the median amount of inheritance money, you know, kids get uh, when their parents die. Um, and there's this now thing on, on Fintwit among some other advisors is kind of like this whole of, you know, end with zero, right. It's like, you know, you, you build a financial plan, uh, so that way you leave your kids with nothing. Right. So that means every single asset you've accumulated over your life, you spend it. Right. And while I don't know if that's something I'd be comfortable with myself personally, um, because I feel like you don't necessarily leave your self with margin for error, especially as you know, there's medicinal improvements and also, and you kind of, you were like, Oh, I'm going to you know, end with zero at 95. And all of a sudden you're like, shit, I'm 97. Like, what do I do now? Um, but <laughs> oops. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's important to maybe, um, take the guardrails off a little bit. And especially when you have the physical ability to, um, do it and to see the world and, and, you know, spend time with, with loved ones, um, you know, try to do whatever it takes to, to do it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things that, I've always thought of myself and kind of how I fit into clients' lives is um, I always view as a really good financial planner and, and a good financial advisor. The biggest um, biggest value we provide our clients is time, time back, 
I, I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do is, is complex and complicated, but there are so many like do it yourself guides on, on the internet. And I think there's people that you know, love to do it themselves like my dad. Um, but we're really, what we do is, is give them their, their time back of not having to do that, not having to, to research how to do things, being, you know, confident, um, you know, voice of reason, um, and the sounding board for things. Um, and so that's one of the things that my clients like, look, you're hiring me to give you peace of mind and time back so you can go do things. And that way, when you want to do things and you're thinking out loud and you're running your own, you know, mental numbers, like come to me, let me do my work. And I'll tell you that you're okay to do it. And then you'll, you have even more, you know, um, you know, confidence in the, in the ability to, to do so. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I bought a, an NFT from Carl Richards that I constantly post on Twitter, um, which is the, the spend mm-hmm. the money one. Um, you know, it's, it's two circles overlapping on one side. It says, you know, people you love on the other side's experience. And then in the middle where they overlap, it says spend the money. And I think that's something that, um, I'm looking up because I actually had it blown up and it's on my wall here. Mm-hmm. Um, I look up, you know, to see it. And, um, I think it's something that I've tried to do my life, you know, with, with my wife and kind of going back to the, the new Orleans story, like, you know, it was like, could have saved for retirement, could have saved for down payment on a house, but I think we just kind of wanted to, you know, do a little, little trip. And so, um, that's the other thing I keep telling my clients, like, like, you don't know what's around the corner. You know, if you have the ability, you go, don't need to save this extra money. Like, you know, maybe, maybe let's work on readjusting some of your, um, you know, spending and seeing where we can be a little bit more efficient. Let's find a way to like, you know, optimize all of your assets and, and find the efficiencies, you know, on the margins with the hope of getting you that extra few percent of you know, return or savings or whatever it is. So that way you can go out and, and do like, um, you know, a nice trip. Yeah. I found, I found it. If there is a silver lining of the pandemic, if we want to call it that, that I feel like people are having those conversations more and they're thinking more about what an ideal life looks yeah. like for them. Do you feel like clients have been more receptive to that? I think so. I think, um, I think, that's probably been the biggest lesson that I think a lot of all the clients learned is like, you know, you, you were forced to spend time with your family. And I think a lot of people realize that, Hey, family matters. Um, I had lunch with a client, you know, a few weeks ago and he was able to, um, you know, go back to India for the first time in a couple of years, um, to see his family and his wife's family. They're both in, you know, from India. And, um, he was just like, I never realized how much I valued these trips because we used to do them every winter and then we couldn't do it for two for, a year. And so like, it's been a while. And the other thing that, you know, my family has done, um, and, and his family has done too, is just like occasional, like monthly zoom meetings with family members where like before that, like it'd be years before I'd see like some of my dad's cousins and my dad's family. Um, cause I live on the East coast and now it's like, Oh, we have like a monthly meeting. Like, let's go check in see how everyone's doing. And I think that's kind of brought, brought us a lot closer. So I think, um, I think that that's probably been a, a huge point of conversations with, with clients is just kind of the importance of a family and, and finding the things that matter to you. Um, I think for a long time in my career, um, I think for a long time of my client's career, you know, they were really defined by their work and that, that was mm-hmm. like how they viewed their life. And I think now, you know, I, I love what I do. Um, and even all my fun employment, I'm still, you know, not entirely checked out for better or worse. I'm still kind of, you know, communicating with clients. I'm still kind of 
keeping a pulse on things. Um, but I think that's just because it's, it's more of a passion for me. And I, you know, I don't get that added stress, but you know, for, for a number of my clients, they're like, no, this is kind of stressful. I, I kind of want to, you know, take a bit of a breather, take a bit of a break and figure out what, if there's something, you know, more important, you know, that I should be doing with my life or maybe taking less projects on at work to spend more time with my kids. Um, and so I think, I think on aggregate, not just for my clients, not just for us, but I think for a lot of people, um, I think you're right with the silver lining of the pandemic has been kind of almost a bit of a reset button to finding out what's really, um, you know, of value, what's really important. Well said. I think that's a good spot to almost conclude. I want to wrap up with a question I ask every podcast guest at the end. Um, and that is, what is one act of kindness that's been transformational in your life? I knew you were going to ask this and I don't have an answer for you. That's, that's good. Cause I feel like, I feel like I've had so many, um, you know, incredible acts of kindness. I think, um, you know, we didn't kind of go into my whole, you know, life story, but I think it's something that, you know, I've talked to my mom a little bit about, but, um, you know, my dad is, is actually my stepdad. Um, so my mom and I, and my grandparents, we, immigrated here from Belarus in, um, 2001. Um, so I was, I just turned eight and, you know, my mom married my stepdad, um, like I think maybe nine months before I moved here. Um, and he took me on like his own, his own son, you know, he had, I have two older stepsisters who, you know, I'm, I'm close with, with one of them. Um, you know, I didn't grow up with, with either of them. They lived with, with their mom, but they, you know, they'd come visit, but you know, he took me on on his own and, you know, I'd never had a, you know, my birth, my biological father was never in the picture. So like, you know, he took me on on his own and I don't think I understood kind of the gravity of that, um, until I became, you know, much older and, you know, as we're going through this, because, you know, he's always, you know, dad to me. And, but like now as an, I'm an adult, like how big of a life change of that is like, okay, you know, you married this, you know, immigrant woman who barely speaks English. And now you're taking on her eight year old kid who also speaks no English, very like minimal English. And, you know, I wasn't the easiest kid to deal with, um, you know, and, you know, we had our you know, fights and, and battles growing up. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think that's probably the, probably the biggest act of kindness because like I said, I, I didn't understand, you know, obviously at the time what he was doing, um, you know, for me and my mom and my whole family. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, I'll forever be, you know, indebted to. Wow. I appreciate you, Sharon. Simon, thanks for being a guest today. No, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad we did this. And we could have kept talking for a lot longer too. Maybe we'll need to come back and do a part two on this. Around two sounds good. Elliot Apple is an investment advisor representative of Kindness Financial Planning, LLC. However, in hosting this podcast, Elliot is not acting as an investment advisor representative individually or on behalf of Kindness Financial Planning. The information and opinions in this podcast are for general, informational, and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and such opinions are subject to change. No representation is made as to the completeness or accuracy of the information presented. Any past performance referenced is historical and no guarantee of future results. All indices referenced are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. All investments involve a certain level of risk. You should carefully consider if an investment is suitable for you before making an investment. Please consult your legal, financial, and other professionals to determine what may be appropriate for you.